You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 99. Today, we're talking all about now, like right now. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right, hello and welcome to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I am your host, James Wedmore, and this is a very exciting episode. I just wrapped up an awesome interview slash conversation with a good friend of mine, Sonny Leonard Doozy. And it was a pretty serendipitous connection, the way that we decided to connect and create this episode. But basically, we were both reading a great book at the same time, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And I found out that she was reading it or rereading it, and I was just rereading it. And we just had that light bulb, or I came to her with that light bulb of idea saying, hey, I want to do an episode of the podcast talking about the biggest lessons and takeaways from the book and how we can really use the information there as an entrepreneur. I think this is one of the most powerful books ever for anybody who is looking for anything on that spiritual path. They're looking to end that nagging voice in their heads that what can be labeled as the monkey mind so that you can find more inner peace and joy and presence. This book is, gosh, over 20 years old now, and it's still talked about. It's still read. And chances are you've read it. I know for a fact you've heard of it. And so whether you've read it or not, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I think it was a beautiful, fantastic conversation for anyone who's just dealing with the stuff that we deal with as entrepreneurs, whether it's overwhelm or that comparisonitis or overwork, you know, that hustle culture mentality. So this was a great episode and I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play that for you right now. All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Mind Your Business podcast. I'm here with a very special guest and a good friend of mine, Sonny Leonard Doozy. Sonny, how you doing? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too, because this is, first of all, a very special episode. This is something we've never done before, and we kind of have no idea how it's going to turn out. It could be amazing. <laughs> it could be an epic failure, and that's what's kind of fun and exciting. But for our listeners, what we are doing is basically we're going <laughs> to, almost like we're doing a virtual book club, a reading on a book that I think has had a massive impact on both of our lives. And one of the things we wanted to do is spread the word of that book. And that's Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. It's, I mean, it's over 20 years old. So a lot of people are familiar with the book. But what we wanted to do is have a summary and a conversation around the book and really take the conversation and this concept of the power of being present into the, or make it relevant to entrepreneurship, to building a business and see how you can make it applicable every single day in your life. And I think it is ever more relevant than ever before because there's so much of that 
go, go, go hustle mentality that is being preached. Work harder, work faster, work longer. And we just think this is a great conversation. So before we get into all this, Sunny, I would love if you could share with us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I would love to. So I am a journalist turned social media strategist turned really educator. My passion is teaching. So I now teach and empower entrepreneurs to show up and be visible and grow their brand and business using social media and video marketing. YouTube changed my life. <laughs> so so I now teach people how to use YouTube and all social video platforms to exponentially grow their business, their bottom line and their confidence. That's awesome. I had no idea you were a journalist. Were you like on camera yeah. journalist? I was both. So I started in radio and then I moved into television. So yeah, I did a bit of both. And I'd love to know, I'm just because I'm curious, I'm <laughs> putting you on the spot here. Can you describe <laughs> no, okay. Can you describe the jumping of the ship? Like, were you just, were you fired? Yeah. That's, what, that's what I want to get to. <laughs> I wasn't fired. I almost wish I was fired. I feel like that's almost a good thing when that happens because yeah. it forces you to change direction. But no, I actually, it's a funny story. So I went to broadcasting school. My big goal was to report at the Olympics in 2010 up mm -hmm. in Whistler, which was pretty ambitious because I was like two years out of school at the time. And I ended up getting the job. I moved to Whistler for the Olympics, reported at the Games every day and in my head logically i hit my goal but in my heart and in my gut it just did not feel right at all because oh. i was still sort of being managed i was being told what to say what to wear where to be how to say things how to script things and i was lacking that creative freedom that i knew i needed in my life so the day i was driving home from the olympics i was driving down the sea to sky highway i had this epiphany and i basically realized that i wanted to start my own business so I think I was 21 or 22 at the time. And I came home and I started my first business, which was an online magazine. And it was, <laughs> it's really weird. It was written for men by women. So I had a team of writers and we had a sex therapist, relationship therapist, a foodie, a stylist. So kind of like Cosmo for guys. Yep. I grew the whole business using social media. And at the time, no one was really using it. And I fell in love with YouTube, with video marketing, with social media, and realizing that you could push the needle one person at a time to create a movement around something. And that's really when I kind of dove headfirst into creating a consultancy and then working with companies all over the world to grow their brands. That is awesome. And I'm curious. So there was this very specific goal that really motivated mm -hmm. you that really drove you, which was mm -hmm. to be a broadcast journalist or broadcast the Olympics. You would say that there was like a lack of fulfillment there, or it wasn't all what you thought it was going to be because there was not that creative freedom. Do you feel like you've accomplished so much now since you've come out onto your own? Again, I'm putting you on the spot. Do you feel like the fulfillment is there? 150 percent mm. i think that was really and this sounds crazy because it was i mean it was eight nine years ago now i don't think there's been one moment since i made that decision where i haven't felt fulfilled i've been frustrated i've had failures but i think i've always felt like i'm doing things the way that i want to do them so at the end of the day if there's failures or ups or downs it's at least on me and i'm not able to put the blame on anybody else. Yep. <laughs> so I think it was the day that I took ownership of my life. And I think that is really the key to fulfillment is taking ownership and going for it. That's awesome. And I think that fulfillment conversation will come back in into this episode, because even though I think we're very similar in that respect, that I was very 
driven to not be told what to do, you know, to have that freedom myself Mm -hmm. to to not be reined in. And I think a lot of us entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. are, but we can also have, and I've had these experiences and I've talked about them on the past where you achieve your goals, just like you achieved your goal of announcing Mm -hmm. the Olympics. And I've achieved business goals where there does seem like a sense of, is this all there is? Is this it? Totally. I did it. And I think this is one reason why this book, The Power of Now, almost fills in a missing piece. So before we jump into yeah. all that and you know breakthroughs and discoveries that are available to our listeners when they read this book and learn more about it, I want to share a little bit about why we decided to do this episode. For those of you guys who are regular listeners tuning in, I've spent the last month living in New York City with my wife. We got an apartment out in the West Village, and we were very intentional about this because we had a very busy... Busy isn't the right word, but very fast-paced first quarter and a half of 2017. There was a lot of, of, you know, the ebb and flow. There was a lot of that flow. We were moving from project to project at a very fast pace. And we were able to do that and be okay with it, knowing that there was going to be a month of downtime, which we've been very intentional for me, especially to rest, recharge and get re-inspired. And so I've spent a lot of that time just either rereading books that have had a big impact on me or finding and discovering new books, articles, videos, and content to just kind of like, you know, it's that intake, you know, we got to have the intake and the outtake, the ebb and the flow. So that's that inverse for me. And I don't know how I can even remember, but the idea popped in my head. I'm like, I got to reread the power of now. In fact, I don't even know if I ever completely finished it the first time I read it, but the very first time I picked up the book, I read about the first page or two. This is right at the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And it talks about stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about the past. The present is all that matters. I took the book, I closed it and I threw it in the trash. I was like, nope. (laughs) Like I was right at the step one or two of like, I'm going to start my own business. And I was like, everything I'm doing is to create this future and this life. So I didn't get Mm -hmm. the concept and I tossed the book, came back to it years later. And I was like, oh, now I get it. But so now here I am like third try at it. I start reading it and I go onto social media and there's Sunny within the same couple of days that I picked up the book saying how she's rereading it. And so... I reached out to her and I said, we got to do an episode talking about it. So I would love to hear really quick from your perspective. What is your story in relationship with the book? It's really funny. My story when I first read the book was very similar to yours. It just felt so weighty and heavy to read it the first time. And it just wasn't clicking. And I do believe it's one of those books that you will pick it up and dive into it at the time when you need it the most. So I read it a second time about four years ago. And it was a time that I definitely needed to hear the message of the only thing that is real is the present moment and not worrying about the future or the past. And it was really weird. Same sort of thing. I was working one day and it was sitting on my bookshelf that's been sitting there for four years. And for some reason, I just felt this need to read it. And this is the really trippy part about the story. I haven't shared this with you, but so I pick it up, I read it. And then I decide to post on Instagram about reading it for the third time or whatever it might be. And I actually had a note the day that you reached out to me, I had a note in my to-do list on my notepad of dream podcasts that I want to be on. And your name was on my notepad (laughs) and and that morning, isn't that crazy? And that morning 
you reached out to me when I was coming home from the gym and I came home and I remember I told my COO, I was like, you're never going to believe this. I think I'm a witch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am a wizard. I am a magician. Yes. That is so, <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. And I love Crazy. those stories. And like, I think that's why this podcast exists because mm-hmm. the version 1.0 of who I was was the very logical, I'm going to outwork and outthink you and I will win. That was how James 1.0 mm-hmm. operated as an entrepreneur and a business owner is I will be smarter, I will work harder and I will win. And the 2.0 or maybe the 10.0 because there's been many evolutions is exactly how you describe it. These serendipitous moments, this like mm-hmm. letting go and this trusting and then boom, things kind of you know, unfold for you. Fall into place. Like you didn't have to mm-hmm. do anything to do something yeah. that you wanted. And there's so much more of that in my life now. It's so much more exciting. It really is like watching a movie for the first time. That's like your favorite movie. That's, you know, everything is a surprise and it's awesome. And I think this book almost becomes the manual for how to live your life that way. It's a Completely. manual for how to live a more enriching, fulfilling life. Yeah. And I think just quickly on that note, I think one of the big things that I took away from this and something that I think maybe I was not completely aware that I was doing from that moment, I made the decision to quit my job as a journalist to become an entrepreneur was that I was practicing surrender. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of people look at that word and they think, okay, it means you're giving up. What I've maybe not been aware of that my definition of it, which is also in the book, is that it means to accept what is right now and to make a choice and move forward and take the steps to get to where you want to go. It doesn't mean giving up. It means to accept and to move forward in a proactive way, not a reactive way. And I have to say, and anybody who knows me, those moments, like the moment of having your name on my notepad and then you reaching out to me, it happens a lot in my life. And I do believe that's because I've come into this place of surrender and I'm not actively trying to get something external all the time. I'm just putting it out there and doing the work that would hopefully get me there. And then they just seem to happen. Yeah. And I want to talk so much more about these concepts of surrendering and acceptance and the antithesis to that, which is resistance and pain and Mm -hmm. suffering, which, you know, pain and suffering tend to show up differently for an entrepreneur. Like they like to call that stress and overwhelm, but it's still pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just negative emotions Mm -hmm. and negative experiences. But something else that came up is we both had these experiences of the book being heavy or for me, it was like toss the book. And I think if there's one thing, beyond just telling our listeners, hey, go read the book. It's to not let them have that experience where they have to come back at a second or third time to read it. And here's why. Here's why (laughs) I believe that it was challenging to read. We are so... And this is what the book tells you if you make it through it. The book tells you how conditioned we are to use your mind or really what Edgar Tolle proposes in the Mm -hmm. book is that your mind ultimately is using you and you can't really differentiate you and your mind and your mind is just a tool or an instrument but we become our mind we're trying to think our way to understanding of the book we're trying to use our brain if it's your first time reading it to really understand conceptually what the author is telling us when what he's ultimately telling us is that we need to separate 
that very thing that we're trying to use. And so that's why I feel <laughs> like first and foremost, it becomes either we can be very resistant to the concepts initially when we're first introduced to them. And that is because the argument he's making is that the very thing that we're trying to separate you from is the very thing you're trying to use to receive the information. Does, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And the whole idea of resistance I had such a light bulb moment. I think this was my biggest light bulb moment or epiphany from the book. There's another book <laughs> called The Big Leap. I don't know if you yes, read it, but yes. I read it a few years ago. So good. And it's about the idea of the upper limit problem. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got their own stuff about when they're about to hit a new level in business or they're about to reach a new level of awareness in their personal life we have the tendency to self-sabotage. So what I learned after reading that book was that my tendency and how it shows up for me is procrastination. And I look back and when I went to go read The Power of Now the first time, and it was a form of procrastination to just put the book aside and go, this is too much for me right now, because I do believe I was resisting it because I was afraid that I wasn't ready to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid of failing at it, which is the opposite of everything that he teaches in the book, because that's coming from such a place of ego and it's coming from your mind as opposed to being aware of those thoughts and being like the watcher of your thoughts as opposed to being your mind and being that fear, being that resistance coming from that place of ego and that fear of failure. So that for me, the whole idea of resistance in and of itself, because procrastination still shows up for me, I'm working on a launch right now and I'm having anxiety about some stuff and I'm procrastinating on doing things I know I need to get done. And I know that's coming from a place of being afraid of the outcome. I'm really excited to talk about those feelings and that resistance that, you know, we are human beings and this is inevitable. I don't think this is about, you know, he talks about, and we'll bring this up enlightenment and what enlightenment is and what it means, but I don't think it's realistic or the intention of the author is that after you read this book, you just become this enlightened being where nothing <laughs> ever affects you ever again. And you just kind of float no. through the world <laughs> invincible to any type of future mm -hmm. problems. So I do want to have a conversation in a bit about like, you know, cause there are tools and exercises and things that he teaches in the book on how we can deal with that stuff. So I love that. I did want to give just like, for those who haven't read the book yet, catch them up to speed. I know there are a lot of our listeners that are like, Oh, I read that, you know, it's 20 years old. Of course you've read it. a lot of people have, but I want to give a quick introduce the premise of the book and a quick summary. And I think the biggest premise, the overarching premise that the author is making is that if we focus on the present moment, and we ignore the past or the future, we can greatly improve our life and we can put an end to suffering and ultimately have an experience of enlightenment. And it's in the past or using the mind to focus on the past, you'll notice there are emotions or feelings of a lot of the re-words, resentment, mm -hmm. regret, or even reminiscing you know, nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And you'll know when your mind is in the future, when there's anxiety or worry, mm -hmm. or in Sonny's case, procrastination. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Only the present is important. The mind wants to reject this. Nothing ever occurs in the past or the future. What are we talking about? It happened yesterday. Like, that's what your mind wants to tell you is that it happened yesterday or it's going to happen tomorrow, but it is simply just a continuous stream of present moments. And 
this pain and suffering, you know, again, like for entrepreneurship, it shows up as things like stress, frustration, self-doubt, overwhelm, you know, wanting to give up or you end up procrastinating because you have that fear of wanting to do it. This comes ultimately, and I really want to dive into what this means and what this looks like, but when we resist the present moment, this moment right here and right now, and we resist, I believe there is degrees at which we resist. Like you might be listening to this podcast right now and be saying, hurry up, hurry up, get to the good stuff. That is resisting the present moment. That's saying, I want to get to the future. Hurry up versus being present, being this watcher and just receiving and accepting this present moment that we're in. So it's an inability to accept what is and a feeling of powerlessness or an inability to change it, you know, and that's where any of these negative feeling, you know, yucky feeling emotions come in. So that's pretty much like the premise and the simple summary of the book. But I think why I love the book so much is because you don't just learn the concepts, but I think it really forces you to experience this power of the now, experience being present, and have a profound experience of separating you from this instrument we have called the mind. Would you agree? Definitely agree. And it is, like you said, because I think some of the resistance, which both you and I experience, and in my experience, some of the resistance around this is coming from thinking that this is out of reach and all of this stuff is a little bit too out there to comprehend, but it's actually one of the most simple concepts in the world is just to know that this moment right now, as I'm speaking, is the only moment that exists. And I have found myself flowing in and out of that present state. So it's a daily practice for me. And I've definitely been more conscious of it since reading this book. And I've had these moments where I'll be doing the most mundane things, but I'll be 100% present, maybe for 20 seconds, because it's really hard to stay in that moment. Mm -hmm. It takes practice. But that feeling of being 100% present, grounded in the present moment it's like magic. It feels so right and it feels so good, but it's achieving that on a more consistent basis, which is the part that comes into practice. And I love how you said there's this like in and out of that present consciousness Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, and he says this in the book, which is just kind of gives you a lot of grace as the student learning this, is that it's the Mm -hmm. moment you catch yourself not being present that you are present. Is when you're present. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, it's almost just these moments throughout the day that you get to catch yourself and give yourself that grace and being like, oh, well, at least I'm being present right now. (laughs) And that's all that matters. Totally. This is all I have (laughs) anyway. So yeah, I love that. So what would you say? I want to hear more from you. Like what was one of the most like impactful insights or takeaways from the book or something that you really enjoyed reading? Well, I think there was two things that really kind of hit home for me. And one of them is on the note of, you know, realizing that you're not always going to be in that present state. And when you recognize that you're actually the most present, but not judging yourself for it, because I do think that there's a lot of shame or guilt or frustration that you can put on yourself when you don't feel like you're doing it right, (laughs) which I've heard people say about meditation too. It's like, I'm not doing it right. And 
that's that's the opposite of the purpose of these practices as well as meditation it's just to be and mm-hmm. just sit with your thoughts and be still and so one of the things that came up for me is one was the judgment piece. So I do feel like in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of judgment of yourself and what you should or could be doing and also of other people and your perceived competition. And we've gotten into this place where we all think we have to hustle all the time and crush it and slay it and all of these words where we kind of lose track of what it is that we're actually going for and what it is that our goals are and why we want to achieve them. So we've created this hustle culture and it's basically created a bunch of cattle that are all following external goals. And I think the big piece for me is that nothing external is ever going to bring you inner peace or happiness. It's nice to have goals. Everybody should have goals. He talks about this in the book. You can still have these external goals and things that are off in the future, but it's realizing that all that matters to getting there is the journey and each step that you take and taking action in the now. Yeah. So understanding that the past isn't real, the future isn't real. The only thing you have control over is the present moment. And something that I had to kind of wrap my head around too is that it's confusing when you hear the past isn't real, the future isn't real, because obviously things have happened to you in the past where you maybe you've been burned or there's been a failure. And realizing that there's lessons from those things that you absolutely can take into the present moment as you move forward, but it doesn't really exist. The only thing that you can take from it is the lessons and how you apply them right now in this very moment. Yeah. And I love that. And the past is there to inform us. So at one point, Mm -hmm. and I think this is a great example is, you know, we all had to learn how to drive. And so, you know, you can remember the first time you got behind the wheel and there's a lot of like, unconscious incompetence, you know, trying to figure out what you got to do with your hands and what mirrors you got to be looking at. And, you know, now we basically drive in our sleep while we're drinking coffee and texting and changing the station on the radio. So here's an example of how the past can inform you to become a better driver so that today, like, oh, I learned how to drive in the past. Now driving is just this thing you kind of do half asleep anyways. But what the mind does, and I just love this concept, is it almost like keeps things from the past alive today and that we make decisions and choices or we experience things through the meaning and interpretation we've made on past events. And so an example would be is if you got into a car accident in the past, you know, when you make this meaning of driving is dangerous, well, now every time you get in the car, how will your mind interpret everything differently? And I don't think we realize just how much we are holding on to our experiences of the past, our failures of the past, the things that have happened to us in the past and carrying them with us and constantly worrying about them. What if this happens again? What if I fail again? Right. With us into, you know, the future and not really being here in the present moment. And I think what Edgar Tolle is really saying is that when you get really that experience of being present in the now, that stuff of the past, that worries, the fears, the what ifs aren't there. I just love that. Yeah. And I think a note on that too is when people read this for the first time, they may be thinking, okay, so this is going to help me be 
happy all the time and (laughs) it's going to take away any bad thoughts or anything like that. And I do think that that's maybe a misconception about it because the reality is, this is mentioned in the book as well, inner peace and happiness are two completely separate things. And being present doesn't mean you're not going to have issues or problems in your life. What it does though, and this has been so huge for me, is if there's an issue that comes up, because the only thing that exists and is real is the present moment, it forces you to deal with it head on and deal with it in the moment so you don't have that resistance or the negativity that piles up because all resistance is, is negativity at the end of the day. And so I think understanding it in that car accident example, understanding that you're not what you've conditioned yourself to be and you're not the story that you're telling yourself you are. And instead, in every moment, like this moment to the next moment, I'm two different people because every moment your entire being is basically dissolving and being reincarnated and you can choose who you want to be and how you want to react to things with every moment that comes. So yes, things are still going to happen that are not going to make you happy. But if you have that inner peace of being completely present, you at least can deal with them right away. So you're not festering with these toxic emotions like that negativity or for me, procrastination and things like that. And that's where this acceptance or surrender is just so powerful. And one example comes to mind, which was such a great experience for me is that while I'm reading the book, and I think that's one of the things why I love reading the book is it just by reading it, you have such a deeper level of practice of being present. But while I'm in the middle of reading the book, my wife, Chelsea, and I had to take a quick trip to Toronto, Canada. And we had this, you know, it was just not a good airport experience. Like it was just one of those, we've all mm-hmm. had them where like the flight's <laughs> delayed and then the flight was canceled mm-hmm. and then we had to change flights. And like all this stuff happened and you're in this crowded little space. Everyone around us was just so frustrated, so unhappy, so miserable. And I'm sitting there reading this book and I know that in the past, in another time, I would have been just right there with everybody else, like frustrated, angry, like this is ridiculous. Your mind would be looking to blame somebody. Someone's at fault. Like this is the worst airlines or that woman's not doing her job, right? And because I was reading the book, like it's so beautiful to have this completely different experience where there was you know, like it wasn't happiness and there wasn't sadness. There was what he really describes as inner peace. There was nothing to push against. Mm. When there's resistance, it's like a two to tango. Like you got to push and then it pushes back. And the harder you push, the harder it pushes back. There was, for me, there was absolutely, I sat on my bag and I just kept reading. And I was like, I'll sit here all day. I've got nowhere to be. I'm good. And that was amazing because in the midst of all the chaos, I was completely at peace with what the situation was. And you realize that it does get to be a choice if you want to accept or resist it. And, you know, we, I mean, that's like an experience I get to take with me in everything else that we do is like, is this going to be something that I resist and fight? And that, oh man, that was such a great part in the book is we believe is this is the biggest illusion of them all is we think that getting frustrated, angry, or upset actually has an impact. Like that actually does something. <laughs> like if I'm angry enough or if I'm frustrated or if I kick and scream and punch enough walls that the situation will change. 
And that's really fascinating because that's what we think. That's why else would someone get angry? Why else would someone start clenching their fists and, you know, get all heated unless they literally believe that that was going to do something? And it doesn't. Getting upset about something does not make the issue go away. It does not make you ultimately what you want, which is happier, you know, at peace. And I just think that's so fascinating. It's so interesting. There's that quote I remember someone told me a few years ago and something like being angry is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yes. Like, it, And I really do believe that's true. And this kind of hammered that point home for me. And you're going to deal with problems or frustration on a daily basis, really. There's things that can come up that can trigger those reactions in you. And those are things that you've conditioned yourself to do or react in a certain way. But I think one of the things that really hit home again in the book for me was if there is an issue, there's really only three choices. So it's simplifying that. It's simplifying problem solving, which obviously is a huge ability and asset you need to have, especially as an entrepreneur. And you either are going to remove yourself from the situation, you're going to change it and take action on changing it, or you're just going to accept what is. So in your example in the airport, you just accepted it. And it didn't make you feel frustrated because you were like, this is it. I'm in the isness and I'm just going to sit here and read my book. Yeah. And what an incredibly liberating and freeing feeling to have. And to know that those are your three options anytime a problem arises. So you yeah. don't have to go to that place of anger or frustration and get exhausted by really exerting that much emotion on something that's not going to change anything at the end of the day. And the third option is, I think, the one that people don't think they ever have as an option. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the mind wants you to think it's an option. So we usually probably go to number two, which is to change it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times that you just can't change it. Like if you're in traffic, there's very little you can do to fix that mm -hmm. traffic problem. But then what you realize is like, well, wait a second, why is this a problem? It's my mind that's saying it's a problem. And by mm -hmm. not accepting it, by resisting it, that's the only thing that's making it a problem. If you were listening to the Mind Your Business podcast, now you can listen to more <laughs> episodes because you're going to be in traffic. That's now it's a good thing, you know. So it, it is. It's it's fascinating why it's like it's automatically a problem, and that's automatically you not choosing this option three, which is it doesn't totally, have to be a problem. Totally. And I think for me, actually, traffic is such a good example. I think that was the first practice, whether I knew it or not, of me trying to become more present and be more at peace in my life. I remember a few years ago, and it wasn't even related to this book, but I just had this moment where I was in traffic one day. I was so frustrated. I was so angry. And I just wanted to scream. <laughs> and then I realized there's nothing I could do. Yeah. So I'm going to sit here and I'm actually going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to listen to my favorite music. I'm going to do what makes me happy in this moment because that's all I have control over. So as an actionable tip, if people are new to this, I would actually say the next time you're sitting in traffic, see how you react to it, watch your emotions and your thoughts and how you react to it and see how you can change that by doing something that makes you feel good in that moment and accepting it. Yeah, absolutely. Now there's this word that was brought up, this topic that was brought up in the book as well, this concept of enlightenment. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think maybe, who knows, that entrepreneurs necessarily set out to become these enlightened beings but I think it was a really great concept and it's this, especially people that go on a spiritual path, it becomes this, ironically, 
this destination for people on the spiritual path. (laughs) And he actually says in the book, I think right at the beginning, that when enlightenment is the destination or is thought of as this superhuman accomplishment, that's the mind doing that. That's what the mind is doing is turning it into this, like, okay, I'm going to be Jesus, walk on water and, you know, (laughs) heal the sick, Superman type thing. When what Tolle describes it as, and it's a word we've already used, uh, this natural state of oneness with being. And he talks about being a lot. And, you know, when you're, you're present, you're in this natural state of being. And I think that's what people on that spiritual path are looking for, this experience of connectedness. And mm-hmm. ultimately the mind is creating this experience of the opposite of this separateness and this disconnectedness. And I think on one level, one lens through which we can look at all the stuff that you've brought up about the hustle, you know, this hustle culture Mm -hmm. comes from a, an experience of separateness, you know, Mm -hmm. because at the core are probably beliefs you know, hidden beliefs. People aren't aware of them. They won't acknowledge them of not being worthy of not being enough or good enough or not loved. And that they believe through doing more than somebody else, they will be worthy, which is back to this almost like this ego minds trickery that you are separate, that you are, you're not connected. And I think that's part of why this is such a relevant, important conversation for entrepreneurs, not just someone who wants to be on a spiritual journey, but also who's yes. up to yeah. big things, building a business. Yeah. And I think it really does come back to that idea of competition because it's natural whenever you're doing something or trying to grow your business or you're on a specific path and you want to achieve a goal, it's natural for us to look at what other people are doing. And especially with social media, I mean, the amount of time that I'm fully guilty of it. I'll be scrolling through Instagram in a day and looking what everyone else is doing and on Facebook. And I've actually had to make it a practice for me to be more aware of when I'm doing that and how it's affecting me mentally. Because when you have what other people are doing all the time in your face, of course, it's going to make you feel more so like you're not worthy or you're not doing enough or you're not getting where you need to go fast enough. But that really does come from a place of your ego because you're afraid that you're going to fail. And that's such an external thing as opposed to being like, I'm on my own path. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to just accept that there's other people out there doing what I'm doing, but we're all connected at the end of the day and they're not really competition. If they're doing it their way and I'm doing it my way, I just got to keep moving forward. And the biggest problem is when you let all that stuff affect you and it stops you from actually gaining momentum or taking any steps forward. And you just sit in the moment and feel frustrated and down on yourself because you're so anxious about the future. Yeah. Well, exactly. And exactly. And that's what it is. It's your mind going to this worst case scenario future. Cause like, I'd like to sit there for a moment because look, it's all too common for all of us, I mean, if this is not you, you probably lie about other things as well, but it's so easy (laughs) with social media to look at what everyone else is doing and come up to that conclusion Mm -hmm. that I'm not doing enough. And that is the mind going to the future because then the next step is probably like, well, you know, this person's going to get ahead, I'm behind, and ultimately I'm going to fail or the business is going to dry up 
or it's going to come crashing down because I'm not doing this. I'm not staying ahead of the curve. And that is the mind. Well, it's you suffering, but it's the mind going into the future and all that worry and anxiety. Yeah, it's tough. And I think one of the things that as another sort of like tactical piece of advice from the book in those situations, because they're going to happen, you're going to see things where you think you're not doing enough or you're not getting where you want to go fast enough. You again, it's it comes down to some really simple choices. And this was such a good epiphany for me to have in my control over the situation when I feel like I'm lacking something, I either can externally take myself out of the situation and, or just be aware of the situation externally around me and how I'm reacting to it. So again, the idea of kind of watching my thoughts as opposed to being my mind and being my thoughts. And then the other part that I really loved, which I think is such a good practice and I have my own way of doing it every day, but it's to stop. So whether you're feeling frustrated because you feel like there's so much competition out there or you are needing an idea, an original idea in your business, or you're looking for a solution or you just need some creativity, but you feel like you just can't get there, just stop and go inwards and just be still for a second. And so my way of doing this every day is to exercise. I take an hour in the morning and I don't look at anything. And that's my form of stillness and moving, but obviously Obviously, mentally, it's my form of stillness. And what will happen even by giving yourself two minutes of quiet time and just putting your phone down, putting your computer away and just sitting with your thoughts, it's amazing what you'll come back to work with. And you'll feel like you have all these new ideas and you have this new creativity because you've allowed your mind to just be still and to be in the moment as opposed to worrying about everything else going on around you. Yes. And Eckhart Tolle makes a great distinction between the thinker and the observer. And there is, there's, I mean, chances are if you've been paying attention or if you recall on this episode, your mind has probably had a lot of thoughts, this stream of thinking that's come in. Maybe you've sat in there and said, hmm, this doesn't really make sense. Or, or maybe you're like, gosh, I got to do the laundry or oh, I got to write that blog, right? Your mind has this constant. Mm -hmm. And if you're quiet for a moment, you can sometimes hear it. And he makes this great distinction of the thinker, but then there is also the observer, that part of you that can observe the thinking. And I just think that is the greatest way. Well, I mean, like that was the greatest thing I learned from the book uh, that we can continue yeah. to be find that present moment. It's like you just keep losing it and finding it and losing it and finding it <laughs> yeah. is, is you just observe the thoughts. You just watch the thoughts. And I think a very important don't part, judge. Don't judge. Absolutely. is just yeah. look at it and accept it. And there's a great question that he poses that you can use to kind of prompt this, which is what will my next thought be? <laughs> and you just kind of sit there and listen and observe. And he really argues that this question, the way this question is worded and by asking this question almost creates a pause or a glitch in that stream of thinking. And that can create that space, that presence and that openness for us. Yeah. I think that openness piece is really important. And it's funny because we've been talking a lot about individually what you need to be doing and what's advised in the book and all of the great advice in the book. And I loved that it finished. The last chapter of the book is about enlightened relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important <laughs> for anyone, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. You have relationships in all facets of your life. And for me, it really 
was about working with a team because there's going to be things that come up where you don't necessarily see eye to eye or you're not communicating really well. And it's something that I actually noticed myself doing the other day was that I wasn't listening with my whole body. I wasn't actually present. I was listening with my mind and I was already prejudging what the other person was going to say and anticipating what they were going to say as opposed to just listening. Mm -hmm. And this hits home for not only business relationships, but personal relationships and understanding that if you can be more conscious, it creates such a peaceful environment. He says, you know, darkness can't exist where there's light. And so, and actually if there's ego involved with anybody else that you're dealing with, it's going to be really frustrating for them if you are conscious and if you are this sort of beam of light and you're this enlightened person and eventually it's like leading by example when if you're more conscious if you're more present if you're more grounded everyone around you will eventually kind of have to get there or those relationships will probably just fall apart yeah. so it's, it's like it's contagious. leading by example it's like it's contagious yeah, exactly. like, like the more i am it, the people around you have to be it and i think one reason why or what i really like is like the more you understand this concept and the concept that it really goes into the concept of the ego. It's, you know, this part of your mind that it's like, it's almost like it's feeding off the pain and suffering. It needs mm -hmm. that suffering or the separateness in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And when you realize it, like, you know, you can personify it any way you want, but it's almost like there's this parasite living <laughs> inside of all of us. And the more you understand that it's almost like the more compassion understanding and sympathy you have for mm -hmm. others that you can actually see past someone else's ego someone else's suffering and to see who they really are and it's when you can do that when you can see past their ego to their you know true self to that connectedness of who they are there is no conversation of resentment or comparison or hate or judgment it's just love, I guess. And yeah. when you when you fight someone with love, like there's nothing they can fight back with, right? You know, uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, except exactly. love. So I do. I see how it dissolves their ego. Like your light gets bigger and drowns out the you know darkness they have. The noise. The noise. Yeah. But I, I think, think that that one for me was like that one for me was like okay, so this is how I deal with haters. <laughs> Yes, I was like, this, is, exactly. this is how moving forward I have to deal with the naysayers. Now, so, I, I think yeah. there is the antithesis that we have to watch out for that like, you know, and you've seen this like when people have these conversations around enlightened or whatever, that it's almost like the mind and the ego comes back in and says, well, I'm enlightened, mm -hmm. so I'm better than everybody. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, these people just don't know what I know, so I'm better than or they're less than. <laughs> and I think that's missing the point. When there's not that compassion, then I think it is the ego. F you know, I do. I feel like the ego is this really tricky, sneaky guy or gal and finds a way to get in there. I mean, I still see myself like, look, this is now second or third time reading this book. It's still there. I'm still mm -hmm. so human and so flawed and so have that ego. And I still find things that'll like trigger me or upset, especially like when you're in New York City, like big introvert around a ton of people like bumping into you on the street and you know there's just so many people like i'm like wow i just got frustrated i just got triggered and i think the only difference is like a little bit of grace and just observing it 
Yeah, I think it's that acceptance piece of yourself and of other people. It's just accepting that. I think it's understanding that we're all works in progress. Like there by no means am I saying that I am perfect because (laughs) I am not. And I will probably have moments today where I'm certainly not present. So I think it's understanding that we're all on our own journeys and we're all on our own paths and you have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. So being gentle with yourself first and foremost and understanding that this is not something that you need to perfect. It's not a end goal. It's a daily practice and it will be for the rest of your life. And for other people, not pushing this on them. And that was part of that relationship piece where I found it really interesting because it is kind of easy to, when you read this stuff, you're like, oh, I'm so enlightened and I know everything (laughs) and and everyone around me should know everything too. But it's not about that. It's accepting the people around you and leading by example and trying to be the best version of yourself so that you can lift everyone around you to be the best version of themselves as well and lead with a light so that there isn't room for that darkness. This is so great. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to check in with you and you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you are aware of some of the resistance that you're having going into your most recent launch. Do you want to share a little bit about what that's like for you? Yeah. So for me, it really does. It's so funny because I'm such a little go-getter and I've always had a crazy, and I really do mean crazy, like borderline insane work ethic. And I have no problem getting things done when they need to get done. But I do find, and this is something that's been a recurring theme for me as my business has grown, particularly in the last two years, because it's been a lot of growth, which has been wonderful. I find myself self-sabotaging through not doing things as quickly as I should be getting them done and just waiting to finish projects and waiting to have conversations that need to be had because I think I'm a little bit afraid of the next level. And it sounds so crazy, but it's that fear of success almost that creeps in because you don't know what's on the other side of it. So I think it's being comfortable with it. And I think of all the things that, you know, we've talked about from this book, it really is just accepting that that's how I'm feeling, being aware of it, but also remembering that in order to get where I want to go. And I know that I'm worthy of going. I have to take action in the present moment and waiting for things is basically telling myself that I'm not satisfied with the present moment and I'm not prepared to take any action in the present moment. And it puts you in this constant perpetual cycle of just waiting, waiting, waiting when you could be achieving that next level a lot faster. So for me, it's just, yeah, it shows up as that procrastination, but at least I'm aware of it. And I always say being an entrepreneur has been the best practice in self-awareness for me. And I think that was something that was really interesting in the book as well as about treating your relationships and really treating everything in your life as a spiritual practice, because every aspect of your life has the ability to teach you. So understanding and being aware of my patterns and being aware enough to take action on them in the moment. I absolutely. Entrepreneurship is the ultimate course in personal development. (laughs) And it is like you are on your business is only as good as your worst day. It's so true. But okay, look, uh, the fear of success. I can't tell you how many people are like, come Mm -hmm. on, who has a fear of success? And people (laughs) really say like, I would say most people think that fear of failure is the more common one. And I actually would totally disagree. I think fear of success seems completely illogical, which is why so few people admit to it but at the end of the day this is the Mm -hmm. mind focusing on the future and telling this story of worry or doubt that in Sonny's example is saying I don't think I can handle what's coming I don't Mm -hmm. think I 
am capable enough or willing and able enough to do what is mm-hmm. coming. And that is the constant, constant journey. And it, you know, cause it takes one to know one. That is the constant journey I've been on <laughs> where it, it's almost like every step of the journey, you like pick up a bowling ball, right? You know, it's like, Hey, here's this yes. success. And you pick up that bowling ball. And it's like, now I'm doing this and there's another bowling ball. And like now yeah. where you're at is like, Hey, like, look at all these bowling balls I've got, but you're like, <laughs> but can I really hold any more? And like, can I really carry the weight of this next bigger thing of who I am and being in front of more people and having more customers and more of this? And, you know, there's layers to it. You know, you don't just like reach this one point. Oh, yeah, I got it. I read the big leap and now I'm good and I'll never have that. No, it's like a few more mile markers. It'll come up again. And I see in my own life and like how our business has changed, like where the business now has, you know, a lot of online courses, but it has also a lot of high level coaching. And like we have a, you know, 20 people in a mastermind and we've got a big group coaching program. And I don't think I could have a few years ago really even been able to fathom, fathom holding the space for that many people for a year, you know, like a year long commitment. I mean, that's just crazy. And then one day you just decide, screw it, I'm going to do it anyways. And you find a way. And I think ultimately that's how we bring this entire conversation back for the entrepreneur is that, you know, in the present moment, which is all you have anyways, you just do what you need to do. Yeah. And it comes back to that idea of if I was sitting here and saying, okay, I want to do X amount of dollars next year. And that's the only goal that I'm holding on to or that I'm going for, because I think it's going to make me feel some type of way, or it's going to bring me happiness. I am screwed. (laughs) And I think it's understanding that, yes, I have this, a little bit of that fear of success. I have that procrastination that creeps in because I'm not sure if I'm ready for whatever is coming next or for that big goal. So the only way to get there is to move through it and to take it one step at a time in that present moment. So that really was, that's the kind of the full circle of it for me, I think. Yeah, that's so awesome. And then what is that quote that I'm totally botching and paraphrasing? It's like any situation or problem you're dealing with right now, or the universe or God would only give you a situation or problem if you know, you could handle it if you had the strength. Yeah, to that's the thing. It. And yeah, I, I think I it's like the God that. or the universe won't give you anything you can't. Yeah, God or the universe won't give you anything that you can't handle. Yeah. That's so awesome. And that's, I think that is the joy of it. I think that is where like so many students, like I'm really notorious of pushing them outside of their comfort zone. And they talk about Mm -hmm. how, you know, like scary it is and how frightening I usually just say, and that's what makes it so exhilarating. I mean, that's why we go on roller coasters, right? Because there's a little fear (laughs) there and we do it anyways. And that makes it fun. And the example I love, I think this is from Abraham Hicks, was if you were a tennis player and you're world-renowned tennis player and you're playing against a four-year-old, you wouldn't have very much fun. You'd win every match and it would get boring fast. And I think our life is a game where we're constantly playing a bigger game and challenging ourselves and seeing, discovering what it is that we're truly capable of and knowing that it never ends i think that's the great part like it never ends once you hit a new level you're gonna reach another level and it just it's gonna constantly keep going and i think similar to that example you just gave my dad actually is an athlete and he's been an athlete my whole life he was a professional soccer player and he always used this example with my brother and i growing up about walking a tightrope and he would say okay there's a tightrope on the ground you're gonna walk from this side to this side 
can you do it? And we'd say, yeah, of course. And then he'd say, okay, now the tightrope is 50 feet in the air. Can you do it? Yep. And we'd say, ah. And he'd say, why? The process hasn't changed. You're just putting one foot in front of the other. But now because there's this height and there's the risk involved in all of these things, you don't want to do it. That's just like life. That's like business. That's like everything else. You have to take away all of those external thoughts of risk or failure and just realize it's just one foot in front of the other. I love that. That is so awesome. Well, this was not a failure. It was a total success. I'm so glad we did this. And I'm so glad it was serendipitous for both of us. So Sonny, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you guys loved this episode and this unfolding, even if you haven't read the book, but you are now going to go out and you're going to read it, or you've been inspired to reread the book. This is Edgar Tolley's The Power of Now. And now you'll have a bit of a new context or lens through which to read the book on how this relates to your entire life, absolutely, but especially to business and this journey of entrepreneurship. So Sunny, real quick, where can we learn more about you and find out more about what you do? You can head to sunnylinardusy.com and my YouTube channel is full of information. If you oh, want to yeah. check that out, it's youtube.com slash sunnylinardusy. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes for you guys. So you can just click that and check out Sunny. Make sure to subscribe to her YouTube channel as well. Sunny, thank you so much. Any Thank words. you. Any final thoughts? No, I'm just so grateful. I think this is so cool. It's yeah. still kind of tripping me out a little bit. So, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. That's it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see y'all next time. For 10 years now, I've made my living selling digital courses, membership subscriptions, and group coaching. I've been able to make millions of dollars. Yet even better, I've been able to help thousands upon thousands of students with my training. Yet I've never taught my system on how to actually get started. How to choose the right niche, the right product, the right tools, and the right plan. Until now. The information marketing industry is booming now more than ever. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in, well, now is your time. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be delivering a brand new training course live showing exactly how to get started and get profitable, even if you have no list, no product, or no idea. And the best part is it's 100% free. All you have to do is request an invite to my private Facebook group. Every week, I'll broadcast a live in-depth training with homework, action items, and of course, Q&A. So to request access to my private group now and join the training absolutely free, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. That's www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. And I'll see you there.